Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, on this uh, episode of Too Many Lawyers, uh, we can't quite get away from Will Smith. We're Hard gonna, to. We're going to be touching to. on it. going to come back. But kind Just like of he was we... touching on Chris Rock. Yeah. yeah. That's right, man. It was a very <laughs> solid touch. You know? <laughs> the slap heard around the world. Mm-hmm. So, as usual, we're going to talk about three big picture topics. Number one, are robot dogs racist? Mm-hmm. I know that's on a lot of people's minds. Yeah, so absolutely. This is a huge topic. Number two, should sidewalk Sidewalk Karen, go to jail. If you haven't heard about Sidewalk Karen, Santa Ana, California lady who um, decided to take the law in her her own hands and knock a 14-year-old boy off of his bicycle, even though she's 79. But I got to say, she didn't look 79 in the video. But we're going to talk about whether she belongs behind bars. The Muhammad Ali of 79-year-olds. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. And finally, should Palm Springs be giving free money to transgender folks? It's uh, it's it's going to happen out there in the desert, but not everybody is happy about it. Uh, before we get to the three big questions, as usual, I'll give you a little preview of our special features at the end of the podcast. Um, first, uh, guess the verdict, America's favorite game show where I give Connor the facts of a real live case and uh, he has to guess the outcome. And I'll, I'll give you a little tease here. The case is titled The Case of the Felonious Fisherman. Mm. So that doesn't help you a lot no. in terms of thinking ahead, but I'm that's, that's it. Yeah. And also our new special feature titled Stories I'd Tell My Friends If I Had Any. To clarify, I have several stories. So I'm going to be talking about my stupidest moment as a trial lawyer. So that's what's coming down the the road for too many lawyers. Can't wait. Before we get to uh, the first issue, uh, our robot dog's racist, a couple of uh, quick points from the week. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, of course, has COVID, and we wish her well. Hope everything goes uh, well for her. And, and of course, I guess that sentiment is slightly in contrast to the topic we talked about last week, where Clarence Thomas uh, had uh, an infection, sort of an undefined infection. They said it was not COVID, but he was bad enough that he was in the hospital a few weeks ago. And social media lit up with people rooting for his death. Yeah. 
and it seemed wrong somehow. I mean, as, we, 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 as we discussed, I think yeah. there is a difference between you know hoping for the death of someone who has a lifetime appointment. Those you know, you, you got to have. I mean, I hope. Yeah, for, we may have discussed that, Connor, yeah. but I can't say that I concurred. I, I, don't, I don't think you root for I the guy's do, death, whether he's going to be on the job three minutes or three centuries. But that's just I don't where root, we disagree. I don't root for Clarence Thomas' death any more than I root for his voluntary retirement, which he could take any day now, Clarence. But you're saying they're pretty much the same in terms of your level of rooting. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> fortunately, it's not a, a criminal offense, so I don't think the cops are going to burst into right. the, the fancy podcast studio. We're booking you for felony rooting. That's right. So I will say, to, to, to take a little of the sheen of, of my goodwill off, I will say that uh, it's been reported that the reason Nancy Pelosi got COVID is because she has a comorbidity. I don't know if you read about it. Too much this. ice cream? No, no. If the bloodstream has more than 30% Botox, apparently mm. that mm. is a real... Yeah. Mm. Kind of an autoimmune thing. Mm. Now, does that make does that me put me in the Connor class of of having an equal rooting for uh, Clarence Thomas's uh, retirement? No, I'm sure no? Clarence has had some work done too. Okay. Uh, next, we got to talk uh, more on Will Smith. Uh, you know, I mean, more, more on, on the topic Will Smith. of yes, Will Smith. Absolutely. He's been banned from the Oscar ceremonies for ten years. Um, they admitted the Academy apparently is sorry that they didn't handle it better. I think maybe it kind of takes away from the fact that he's the bad guy. Yeah. But they apparently they asked him to leave and he said, no, I'm not going to leave. And they didn't do anything. They, well, OK, go back, yeah. you know, and get your best. Man, enjoy best the dessert. Actor. Yeah, it'll be coming up. Yeah, the best tweet I saw on this one. Uh, Will Smith went uh, 12 years without making making a good movie. He could do 10 easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and did you like Stephen Colbert's uh, line from his monologue the day after it happened? Stephen says, this is the worst thing Will Smith has ever done. Oh, except for uh, Wild Wild West. Right. So that movie was a classic. And as a 12 year old, it was, I would say, formative in my (laughs) cinema appreciating experience. All right. So Will Smith, apparently he's okay with this. He says, I accept and respect the Academy's decision. Duh. The judge says to the bank robber, don't set foot in that bank for 10 years. And don't you forget it. All right, your honor. I'll accept that. Of course, he's going to accept it. It's amazing. Uh, the telecast's producer, this guy, Will Packer, said that although Mr. Smith had been asked to leave the ceremony, they talked about whether to physically remove him from the theater in the middle of the broadcast. And they said, no, nah, we, we probably should. That probably was wise. He thought that might make a bad situation worse. Can you imagine Robert De Niro and John Voight in, in a fist fight? Just I mean, that would have happened. People would have taken, taken sides, sides if they right. had physically tried to haul a screaming, yelling Will Smith but off. I would have loved to see a John Voight and Robert De Niro frog marching him out, you know, in, in cuffs. I think <laughs> if if the, the cast of Heat had you know, taken over, that would be right. great. So finally, um, boy, a weird, uh, weird story about picking a jury in this terrible, tragic uh, case involving the Florida shul scooter uh, shooter, uh, Nicholas Cruz. Mm. Uh, he's been uh, accused of uh, 17 counts of first degree murder, 17 Jesus. counts of attempted murder. He's pled guilty, actually. It's kind of weird, but he has. So now they're going to have a trial just to determine should he get the death penalty or should he go to prison in life. So that's that's the serious part of a case that could not be more serious. But there was a very weird twist last week during jury selection. There was a woman uh, who was in the box. The judge is questioning all the potential jurors and the lawyers are asking questions. And all of a sudden, uh, one of the ladies who is on the jury panel uh, pipes up and answers the question. Anybody have anything they need to say? Uh, She says, um, 
you know, I, mean, I, I, I really think, Your Honor, I need to be excused from this case. I, I need to figure something out here because I have, I have my sugar daddy that I see every day. And if you see the video, that it's clad, the judge looks at her. What did you just say? <laughs> what does say? that mean? And the judge says, I'm sorry. And this lady, Ms. Bristol, her name is going public. Sure. Uh, my sugar daddy. And the judge says, uh, okay, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. Right. But, uh, and then the lady says, oh, uh, to the judge, oh, you see, I'm married and right. I have my sugar daddy. I see him every day. Nice. Nothing wrong and with that. And so the judge says, okay, ma'am, we're going to get back to you, okay? Now, here's the, the punchline. She was excused. Now, I've been in a lot of trials where the judges listen to stories about, oh, you know, my business will go bankrupt, <laughs> and I've got Aunt Bertha, whose dialysis machine, I'm the only one who knows how to turn it on. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. know what the judge says? Too bad. Tough. This is a civic duty. Yeah. I mean, just about as bad as those examples. Yeah, Some judges say, are super. People You've probably say, seen it in cases you've Absolutely. You I've had people say, you know, I'm a single mom. I have sole, you know, caretaking responsibilities for my kids. Uh, and the judges will be quizzing them. You know, can do you have your, are your parents around? Can they can they babysit? And sometimes they you make them care? stay. Yeah. And if people are, are honest and they say, well, yeah, I could ask my parents to drive across the county and take care of my kids while I'm here. And yeah, my employer pays me for some amount of the the jury duty that I'm going to have. Or even if they don't, uh, you know, people say, well, yeah, I guess I, I could get by even though my employer is not paying me. Uh, and the judge goes, great. It's Fantastic. always bankruptcy. It's always welfare. That <laughs> was the union rescue mission on Skid Row. OK, it's done deal. So you tell me now, Connor, why would the judge accept daily sugar daddy duties? Yeah, that's pretty odd. I think that's very weird. I think that's extremely odd. I, I, I mean, I, I remember reading the little uh, blurb about it. And she also said that she had kids uh, and that she had to take care of the kids. So maybe the judge just thought like, OK, she's very strangely describing uh, the, you know, the, the, the kid situation. Um, yeah, but that's boring stuff. That didn't make the headlines. Yeah. It was the sugar daddy. Yeah, duties. it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird. <laughs> when we come back, uh, our, our first uh, big topic, our robot dogs racist. You don't want to miss that. But first, Connor's going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever else. And while you're there, please make sure to hit the join or subscribe or like or rate us. Uh, buttons because all of those help us out and make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. If you leave us a comment, we will read it. Guaranteed. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So our robot dog's racist. Connor, 
Off the wall, unorthodox question. Um, you've seen these uh, robot dogs on the news, maybe. They, I don't know why they built them to, to look and move like dogs. But Great question. They, they did uh, for to help the cops out. Uh, they People call them creepy. Uh, and we don't want to creep out criminals, so that's you know we should we should send a human in yeah. to get shot yeah. through the heart is how I shot feel about it. Heart. So in 2021, the New York Police Department introduced robot dogs as a futuristic tool that could go places that are too dangerous to send human officers. So dumb. Frank uh, Digacomo of the department's uh, assistance response unit said the dogs are going to save lives, but critics make it sound like a dystopian surveillance drone. Some have said it's emblematic of how overly aggressive the cops can be when dealing with poor communities. So, of course, Bill de Blasio, the wokest mayor in America for a while. He's gone now, doggone us, so we can't make fun of him anymore. He killed the program. He said, no, he he shot the dogs in the head. He euthanized the robot dogs. There we are. He said, at a time when we should have more beat cops on the street... It, uh, building Sorry, relationships with residents. They're actually headed in another direction, trying to replace them with robots. Uh, cops are saying, hey, robots have been used to respond to dangerous situations for about 50 years. The bomb squad, for example, uses devices that resemble small tanks. They have cameras and robotic arms to diffuse or transport live explosives. Because of the four legs, the Boston Dynamics device was more agile than the robots the cops have traditionally used. Uh, and so, you know, they can actually climb stairs. It's cheaper than those devices, uh, depending on the model. It can cost a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Uh, the video recording tools are better than the older robots. The, the device has been used about a half dozen times since the New York Police Department got it uh, some months ago. A barricade, hostage situation. So here's my concern. I, I, de Blasio apparently is worried that the, what, the robot's going to be programmed to bite black suspects, but coddle white suspects. I don't think so, unless Bull Connor has learned how to code. Right. You know, that's, that's unlikely. Uh, what's, is there systemic re- racism in a robot dogs program? What's the problem with saving cops' lives? Well, the, the problem is, is, of course, not with saving cops' lives. It's with priority priorities if you're prioritizing robot dogs to replace bomb squad duty when really they're going to be used for a whole other variety of ridiculous things that they're not really needed for even though we can come up with one important use case for a robot on the police force and instead of prioritizing the health and wellness of the people you're supposed to be uh, protecting and serving, instead you're thinking of new ways to brutalize them with future toys that is the racist problem, because when you when your system is racist and you decide to spend money solving something other than the racism problem, then the robot dogs are racist. Obviously, the robot dogs are probably not programmed uh, to attack black and brown people. Let's hope not. But you know what? In terms of like technology and programming, they're very frequently programmed in racist ways. They're very frequently programmed in ways that that advantage and protect the 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 groups that are already on top. And there's no what is programmed in a way in that's racist now. We like our sort of tech forward silicon valley driven startup culture is built to advantage people who have money to spend on new iPhones and apps and Teslas and everything else. The way that we program our devices it and and use, you know, 
policing and, and data and the way that those are all swirled together and combined, technology and policing especially, is racist because our system is racist. And so our technology is written that way and amplifies it. So it's not that the idea of, of adding a robot to the police force is racist. But if you took apartheid South Africa and instead of solving the problems of racism, you instead said, well, we're going to make robots to to add to the police force. It would be a legitimate criticism to say, you know, it it's just a it's just more of the same. It's just an expression of the racist system that we're living in for us to be spending money on this instead of, I don't know, feeding people, right? So, or giving free money to transgender people. I think we're going to just have to agree to disagree okay. on this one, Connor, because I don't know. Make, call me crazy. <laughs> right. Call me crazy. Right. But I think that although you can have a legitimate critique of the law enforcement system specifically, you can have a legitimate critique <clears throat> of society as systemically racist in general. Yes. When you come across a very specific life-saving idea right. of sending a robot dog in for in a hostage situation or to defuse a bomb, it's a great life-saving and cool idea, I think it's wrong to even think about how, well, we've got these generic racist issues, and that's why I'm going to support Mayor de Blasio's killing of the dogs. I mean, don't you feel bad about the family of the cop who gets shot through the heart when, you know, Bowser, uh, the robot, could have taken the bullet? The idea that, like, if we're talking about life-saving devices, if we're talking about, you know, making cop cars bulletproof right, right. if we talk about the, the militarization the, 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 of police right it just the generic concept of well we could spend a billion dollars and make all cop cars bulletproof i don't feel bad about the widow of a cop who gets shot until you show me that there are so many cops getting shot through the windows of their cars and that this would prevent that from happening. They wouldn't just get shot the second they step out of the cars and the cost of this program and how much you have to, you know, could use that program to save other cops lives or just make the world a better and healthier and safer place if the police didn't have that budget by, I don't know, funding early childhood education or something. I all of those things go feed into the factor of, of saying, do I feel bad about that cop's widow? Because nothing happens in a vacuum and we have to think big picture on this. So every time you look at a society that has a gigantic mound of its treasure piled on top of the NYPD, the NYPD and, and specifically in this case and every other police department in this country are drowning under the weight of the gold bullion we drop on their bodies. They cannot breathe for the amount of money that is crushing them and their retirement accounts. And so the idea that anytime people start funding a new program for the NYPD and they come up with one tiny, incredibly rare use case of the bomb squad, which also, we already have robots that solve bomb squad and hostage negotiation problems. And sure, let them use a robot dog. Who cares? But that's not what they're saying. They're trying to put robot dogs on the street to be beat cops and beat cops partners. And you're going to see those dogs chasing homeless people down and tearing down their tents and dragging them out of the streets and destroying their property, just like every other beat cop does in NYPD, because that's their job. And, you know, 
biting, you know, you're going to see a robot dog bite the ass of a climate scientist protesting against climate change whose ankles are up to, you know, he's up to his ankles in hot water, literally, because the banks of the of the, of the uh, Atlantic are overflowing. And we're going to be going, well, thank God we protected that that cop and his widow. Like, that's what we really care about. So, so yeah, it's racist so here's what, to make the situation, the, the racist situation worse. Here's what I say, and I'm, I think I'm pretty confident in this prediction. I yeah. think uh, your complimentary ticket to the policeman's ball will be rescinded. <laughs> Okay, that's all there is to it. Let's go uh, to topic number two. Should sidewalk Karen go to jail? So if you missed this story this week, there was a 79 year old lady in Santa Ana, California, living in a lovely gated community. Santa Ana, California, actually a massive cop enclave. And she is all the LAPD officers live out in Santa Ana. She's been dubbed sidewalk Karen because Mm -hmm. a 14 year old boy just got himself a GoPro camera and he strapped it to his chest and he and his pal are playing cops and robbers. They're riding of their course, bicycles around. Because their dads are cops. <laughs> riding the bicycles around on the sidewalks. And, and of course, technically, you're not supposed to ride on the sidewalk. Now, the fact of the matter is, unless you ride on the sidewalk with willful disregard for somebody's safety, it's not actually illegal. But they were. Good, because so, I do it all the time. So the GoPro uh, camera shows that he's riding along uh, the sidewalk. And about 30 yards in front of him, we see sidewalk Karen. And she's shaking her fist. And she's angry. And she's really ticked off. And he stops because, whoa, 79-year-old lady. Actually, actually looks like she's about 60, but she claims she's 79. Karen, looking good. Yeah, so so <laughs> he stops, and she advances on him, and she said, what are you doing on the sidewalk? And she literally knocks him off of the bicycle. Nice. And she hits him, and you hear him say, what are you hitting me for? Yeah. Huh? And she says, I'll hit you again. I'll hit you again. All of a sudden, a mom, that boy's mom, appears at the door because they're right outside the house. Amazing. Says, What's going on here? And Sidewalk Karen goes up to her and lies and says, he was trying to run me down. Well, Sidewalk Karen didn't know there was a GoPro camera recording the fact he wasn't trying to run her down. Incredible. He actually stopped when he saw, you know, the Kraken approaching to uh, him. And so she's, you know, she's lying and she's threatening. Th- so the cops end up citing her for battery. Yeah. And so the question is, you know, whether she should actually uh, be be prosecuted for that. Now, we know from the Will Smith situation in California, if you battery Batter somebody, hit somebody, but you do not inflict serious injury. It's only a misdemeanor, and you may not prosecute that unless the victim actually complains, which Chris Rock did. Right. I got a feeling that the mom and the 14-year-old boy are going to be happy to yes. file a complaint against yes. the sidewalk. Absolutely. Karen. So uh, what are you thinking here? Uh, hard time behind bars? I mean, if he gets a blood clot or a phlebitis or something, <laughs> she could go to prison for four years because that would make it a felon. That's true. Yeah, th- this situation is obviously... Uh, emblematic of the overall way that bicyclists are treated for whatever reason in our society. There's just such incredible hatred of people riding bicycles. People in cars, A lot of communities have bike lanes, though. Yeah, well, I mean, not very many, really, in, in, in the big, big, large scheme of things. Mostly bicycles in lanes of, you know, in cars, uh, car lanes are treated horribly people you know honk at them they swerve near them to scare them or try to get tell them to get out of the road and it's ridiculous that bicycles are a a, you know objectively better for you and healthier way to get around and if somebody is taking advantage of that fantastic great uh, good on you and you're making the society better you're not belching emissions out and you're you know being healthy and getting exercise and 
we should be, you know, structuring our society around that. But for whatever reason, people feel entitled to attack bicyclists in a way that they're not entitled to attack people driving cars. And, and pedestrians hate them when they're whenever they're on the sidewalk for reasonable reasons. Obviously, there are people who ride on the sidewalk when they shouldn't. But there are, there are bicyclists who run through, you know, stoplights and and uh, and and uh, stop signs and all that. And cars hate them for that. For no good reason, it's silly, and it's also just like a. It, it's also another way that, that that people who, you know, older people just brutalize and police the activities of, of younger people just because they feel entitled to do so. Like as though twelve people, twelve year olds or fourteen year olds or whatever this kid's age was, uh, don't have rights because they're so young, and you have to listen to me because I'm older. It it really is like it 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 it, it, it connects to this um this this notion of of like. Authority figures uh, have ultimate authority. Children uh, don't know anything about themselves. It connects up to all these like conservative ideology things about like you've got to protect the children, but you've got to control the children for their own protection. You see it manifest all the time. And it's it's so ridiculous to me because so often, um, you know, young people are out there like they should be given extra grace, like they need to be protected and given extra leeway because they don't know what's going on in the world yet. Like They haven't made all their mistakes yet. And well, older this, people should be kinder to them. And this, instead, they're just brutal. This boy may get some extra leeway if he files a civil suit. Ooh, because you, can you imagine? Some I think it's going to be a slam dunk. I mean, yeah, well. he may not win a million bucks. When the right. jury gets a load of that video, yeah. they are going to want to slam the sidewalk Karen That's for true. sure. Uh, you know, I, I guess one question that occurs to me is, you know, why would she behave like this? Well, you know, there are creepy people out there, but, right. you know, is it COVID or is it political polarization or old fashioned orneriness? I mean, civility is just breaking down. It's really scary when it happens at 35,000 feet in an airplane. It wasn't very pretty in this sidewalk situation. Yeah, either. it's hard. To, it's hard to, you know, uh, pinpoint this sort of thing. I think this sort of thing happens all the time. And the prevalence of cameras is what allows us to see it. I mean, yeah. th- and thank goodness yeah. for body cams in this situation. Can you imagine how satisfying yeah. it is for Incredibly. the mom and the Incredibly. son to be able, in the face of this harridan, right, <laughs> to be able to say, "Oh, well, let's let's check the videotape. Go to the tape, Bill, ma'am." And it, it reminded me actually of a wonderful moment uh, from a, an old Woody Allen movie, and it didn't involve a video, but it, it involved the same level of satisfaction. I don't know if you remember this film, but uh, Woody Allen is. Uh, online in uh, in new york city waiting, waiting, for, waiting for a movie well i had to say it because it involves new york oh okay. yeah and if it and if it was a british person i'd say he's in hospital there we are yeah when i hear somebody say in hospital i just want to throttle <laughs> you want to go full yeah. sidewalk Karen is on the them. article the so difficult to say right uh mr winston churchill right. time all right so woody allen movie he's he's in a line uh, getting into a movie and he's having an argument with some guy about Marshall McLuhan and the whole the medium is the message mm. idea, which is such a popular thing to talk about decades ago. And Woody Allen is getting more and more frustrated. And he has this fantasy where Marshall McLuhan is actually two people behind in the line. And he says to the idiot Woody Allen is arguing with, you know nothing of my work. Now that That's is the same point. level of satisfaction. Yes, karmic justice. Yeah, that the mom and the boy have against sidewalk Karen. So when we come back, uh, Palm Springs wants to give uh, a lot of money, universal basic income to transgender folks. We'll discuss it when we return on Too Many Lawyers. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California 
and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Tyler Oaks. So the Palm Springs City Council uh, wants to give universal basic income to transgender and non-binary residents. Uh, and here's the kicker. Here's the part that makes it kind of controversial. It doesn't matter what these folks' earnings l- level is. I mean, they can be, you know, Bob Hope's grandson. The joy of universal basic income. Half of Palm income. Springs. Right. Yeah. And they're going to, they've set, they're setting aside 200000 uh after a unanimous vote by the Palm Springs City Council. Um, former. Uh, I mean, council- this isn't $200,000 per person. No, this is no. This no. $200,000 right. for the entire city of Palm Springs to be, yeah. to be divided among all residents. Basically, it's about $900 a month. And I don't know how long it would last, but that's, that's what we're talking about. If you identify as transgender or non-binary, you're in Palm Springs, you're going to get $900 a month, no strings attached. And this uh, former um, uh, San Diego councilman, Carl DeMeo, a Republican who was the first openly gay member of the city council, he calls the program outrageous and discriminatory. Um, uh, 20 transgender and non-binary Palm Springs residents will get the free money initially for 18 months. Uh, and, uh, for example, uh, DAP Health CEO David Brinkman uh, said to reporters, the transgender population is one of the most marginalized populations in our city. They face some of the highest levels of housing insecurity, joblessness, and discrimination. So here's the issue. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't they look at the person's financial picture? I mean... Well, that's the that's the idea. I, sure, in a perfect world, universal basic income isn't necessary. You saying Palm Springs is we, not a perfect world? We only give. How would I say this? Hmm. Uh, from each according to their ability to each according to their need. Let's say right. But I that's think you're a, pigeonholing yourself. That's there. a difficult concept in execution. And the concept of universal basic income says, oh my gosh, we've got a massive administration of disability benefits and unemployment benefits, housing assistance benefits, all of these benefits that the government hands out. And they have to make sure that people aren't taking advantage of it. Because what if uh, Bill Gates' son ends up getting $900? Like, what are we going to do? And the universal basic income people go, how much are we spending on the administration part? What if we just said the whole like housing assistance administration is gone and instead of spending $30 million on administration and $20 million on handing out benefits, we just spent $50 million on handing out benefits. And if rich people got some money, okay, that'll be fine because the the net effect on the government is the same. And the, the, the reality is, Maybe the numbers aren't like that, and maybe it's even better for uh, say say the, the the economics are of it are actually the other way, and it's cheaper to really scrutinize people and decide, you know. The, but then you get false positives and false negatives. Yeah. You get mistakes where people should get assistance this when they is, don't, and do get assistance theoretical. when they don't. And, and in in all those situations, when you get misses on either end, you know, false positives or false negatives, there's all this terrible feeling and, and moral, you know, bad status, and we messed it up. If you just hand out the well, money, what if I proposed that 
we have a, a little corollary, a sure. little asterisk, yeah. a little addendum to the rule, which is if you're a billionaire, yeah. you don't qualify for the nine hundred dollars like a like month. It. Okay, that's a good. That's good. a good. That's a good amount of policing of people. Let me go further. Yeah. What if we said, you know, if you uh, have a net worth of ten million dollars, sure, and no money for you. Absolutely, you're okay good plan. Okay. Good what plan. about if you have a uh, hundred thousand? You know, you know where I'm headed with this. I, I just do. Think, yeah. Hey, you know what we ought to do? Yeah, our friend John Phillips. It broadcasts on KBC mm-hmm. Monday through Friday, yeah. noon to three, from the Morongo Casino living room studio in Palm Springs, <laughs> because he has done his show from Palm Springs throughout throughout That's COVID. True, yeah, and does he actually do it from the casino? It, no, Morongo Casino sponsors his the living, living room. room studio, oh, of course. Of and course, since of course. he's so astute, and as you personally know from having worked for him oh, at yeah. KBC Radio, I, did. I, did. I think we ought to let John he's Phillips decide this. Yeah, Palm Springs. He knows all about. It. He's the insider. Absolutely. All right, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to get him involved and, and hope the city council listens to him. Hey, it is time uh, for America's favorite game show, Guess the Verdict. Are you psyched up and ready to answer you a know question? It. All right, so here's the deal. I called it the, the felonious fisherman. Yeah, the case of the felonious fisherman. I'm going to give Connor the real life. I'm stressed. Facts. This is, that's not a lot of info to go off of. I'm well, worried about this one. I think I think you're going to like it. I don't um, know much about maritime law. So here are the facts. Fisherman George Hoff was caught fishing in a restricted area. And forest ranger Mary Thompson gave him a $100 citation. Reasonable. She returns the next day. What do you know? The scofflaw. She finds him in the same spot. But this time, he's got Bowser with him. He's got a dog. Uh Three times, he shouts to the dog, go get her. The the dog does nothing, of course, you know, because he doesn't know English, right? All right. So Ranger Thompson gives (laughs) Mr. Hoff another (laughs) citation, this time for $200 sure. for intimidating a U.S. Forest Service officer. Ooh, nice. Mr. Hoff challenges the citation, claiming he was simply exercising his right to free speech when he talked to Whiskers. Right. So, um, it went up to actually the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Right, Connor. yeah. Who do you think was the big winner? Was it this maniac Mr. Hoff with the, the vicious... It doesn't say whether it was a robot dog right. or not. If it was so a robot dog. that might dog, affect your opinion. Nor does opinion. it say the race of the park ranger. That's true. That's, That's those true. are totally... Uh, Unknowns. Unknowns, yeah. yeah. How, who do you think won before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals? Well... Madam Forest Ranger or maniac with fishing pole and dog? The, the filthy libs at the Ninth Circuit... Uh, I would love to to uh, hand out, um, you know, a, 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 a win for big government and help the forest ranger out. So I think that's the way they go. No, I, I think that I, I do think that's the way it goes out, because I think that this is, uh, you know, if you instruct your dog to attack someone, even mm-hmm. if they don't get attacked, right. uh, you know, that's a, that's an attempt to commit a crime and intimidating uh, is the the officer is, is, you know, if the dog growls or goes to attack you and but doesn't actually attack you or whatever else, that definitely seems to qualify as intimidating. I think this guy should definitely get uh, pay, have to pay that two hundred dollar ticket. Absolutely right. The Ninth Circuit ruled that what that fisherman said was more like cocking a gun oh, yeah. than protected speech. Ooh, I like that. You're on a roll. You've gotten yeah. a few of these uh, right. Yeah. I mean, this this being a free speech case is so strange because just because it was speech, the words like if you had a voice activated gun and you shouted at the gun fire. I mean, that was that's not a free speech issue in my mind at all. It's right. about the impact of what your speech does. If you, you know, shout to, 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 to loose a, a, a boulder 
boulder that is teetering on the edge that it's going to crush somebody. Like, come on. This case is about boulders and dogs. It's not about speech. <laughs> well, congratulations. You've improved your batting average. Yes. So now we've come to the final segment of the show. This is the non-legal one. So anybody who uh, cares only about legal issues, you can just start clicking off. But, but we hate those people anyway. It is so. my story of my stupidest moment as a trial lawyer. I'm excited. So uh, let me lay it on you, Connor. So some years ago, I was representing Farmers Insurance in a jury trial in Orange County Superior Court. And uh, it involved a total loss salvage value and whether the company behaved reasonably in terms of dealing with cars and were the cars unsafe as a result of farmers sort of whitewashing the situation. So that was the general factual pattern in the case. Now, I was working uh, really hard to get ready for this uh, trial. I a lot of depositions to review. And frankly, I just, you know, I didn't catch up on enough sleep. Oh, I think no. I was really sleep deprived. Yeah, you get overworked as At, trial approaches. You go crazy. You absolutely. just feel like you want to work 18, 19 hours a day. Well, I don't know. feel like I want that. No, but I do. Yes, yeah. I got you. Yeah. And so you, you just want to cross every T and dot every I. Um, so we come to the start of the trial and it's the jury selection where we're uh, speaking with the jurors, asking them questions and so on. Finding out if they're biased or, you know, who they are, what yeah. their what their perspective is on the world and trying to figure exactly. out, is this person going to be, uh, you know, a good juror or a bad juror? So uh, the plaintiff, who was a class action, actually, one of the plaintiffs was a guy who claimed that he felt he was riding around in a death ship because this car was so unsafe and he, you know, he would be... Uh, tragic accident would happen and so he was part of the group suing uh, farmers Death insurance ship. yeah and so you've got this individual a bunch of individuals worried about the big company and then i was representing farmers yeah. so uh, one of the potential jurors is asked well do you have you had an experience with insurance companies he said yeah i actually worked for farmers for one i'm thinking oh that's wow. interesting he's, yeah i'm frankly they were best employer i've ever had they were terrific you know they were fair and they honest and uh, yeah i mean that's yeah, i have to tell you that was my experience with farmers insurance yeah oh, okay thank you so now we go down a few people and there's a guy who he looks like um jerry garcia's grandson okay i mean he's got the tie dye yeah, yeah i mean yeah. he the long hair he's definitely mr counterculture a filthy okay? hippie got it and so he, he's asked about my own his heart. views you know yeah. oh he's clearly he's got no love for i him. love to smoke marijuana and tear down the establishment there you go so yeah. so among many other potential jurors there there are these two now comes the time when the trial lawyers get to exercise what are called uh, the peremptory challenges, meaning I can have a free strike as long as I'm not striking because of somebody's race. Yeah, protected yeah. status. But other than that, you just strike for no reason at all. Yeah, and being a hippie is not a protected cl- no. status. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just being somebody who hates big insurance companies is not a protected yeah. class. So uh, what you do is you say when it's your turn to give one of your eight peremptory challenges, you say, Your Honor, I'd like you, uh, the court to thank and excuse juror number three. Yeah. And so juror number three uh, just stands up and walks out well because i man been, because i've been sleep deprived or because i was just stupid i don't know it could but be either i'm one. blaming uh, sleep. sleep deprivation um i get the two guys oh, mixed no. up i get what? them mixed up and so i say your honor please thank and excuse juror number eight and that happens to be mr farmer no! when i meant yeah when i meant to dismiss the hippie and so um i don't know the judge probably looks at me quizzically confused and the hippie looks at me quizzically and you know the farmer's guy is probably thinking oh well you know i'll go back to my regular life that <gasps> it was made possible in a wonderful way by my experience with the farmer's insurance and he leaves okay oh my so i'm looking at my notes and about 20 seconds later i look back up to the jury uh, pool and i look at the hippie and i think to myself What's wrong with that idiot? Doesn't he? Oh, 
oh my, oh my goodness. Oh, and I realized what, what I had done. done. Yeah. All right. So, um, and by the way, uh, there was a, a lawyer um, who was second chair uh, there assisting me in the trial. And a little later, um, during a break, I said, hey, um, <laughs> how come you didn't say something when I uh, pulled right. the most uh, colossal mistake ever known to in trial law? And he said, oh, I figured you knew what you were doing. I trust you, Royal. Yeah, yeah. So that didn't work out too well. So the rest of the trial, the trial lasted about three weeks. You I'm, want your co-counsel to trust you. That's good. I guess. For the next uh, three weeks of the trial, I'm making eye contact with the hippie. I'm trying to bond with him. You know, I'm trying to use yeah. you know, drug metaphors that I figure he'll love. We all smoke crack, yeah, right? Yeah, you know. Ladies I, and gentlemen and hippies of the jury. I thought about not getting a haircut. I don't know. Yeah. I just, just whatever you can, but it just wasn't working. I could tell. He hates that he, he really hates didn't like me so well. So now comes the end of the trial. The uh, evidence is in the books. So the jury has been instructed. And the judge does something uh, a little unusual. We've seen it in, in a recent high-profile case, but it, it's kind of rare. Yep. You have 12 people on the jury. Right. And then you have, uh, in this case, um, four alternates. Right. And usually, you know, you're one of the 12 lucky people who's actually going to decide the case. And the only way the alternate would get in is if you get sick or yeah. some emergency and yeah. the alternate would come in. In this case, the judge said to the jury, you know, I don't like to tell people, oh, you're one of the four alternates because yeah. I think they're going to go to sleep. They're not going to yeah, listen to absolutely. the case. It's much better not to. This yeah. guy did. Yeah, it's the way to do it. Yeah. And so if you know you might be one of the lucky 12, then doggone it, you're going to pay more attention. And right. so at this point, at the end of the trial, we still don't know who the lucky 12 are and who right. the four alternates are. So the judge actually has the numbers of all 16 of them put in a little hat and has the clerk pick them out one by one. Yeah. And so she picks out the first juror, uh, number seven, uh, Susie Williams. Right. Okay. Number two, Mark Smith. On three, four, five people going, and and they still don't call the hippie. And nice. I say to myself, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to get lucky because, you know, 12 out of 16, yeah, he's yeah. very likely to be Absolutely. in there. He rolls along, eight jurors, nine jurors. His name still isn't called. And I think, oh, this couldn't be, couldn't be. Finally gets to number 12. The last one. The last one on the jury. There are some women there, some men. She picks out the name and it is Alice Jones. Yes. yes! The hippie is off the jury. And He's then an it alternate. gets better. He's an alternate. Yeah. And then the judge says, okay, now I'm going to have her pick uh, all four of the names. So we'll have the order of the alternates. So the first person to get sick on the regular jury will be replaced by alternate one. Right. And then right. two, three, four. You want to guess what number alternate the hippie was? You're the luckiest man in the world. Number four. So it's number I four. I was the luckiest man nice. in the world. And so <laughs> that... Was how I, although I did the stupidest possible thing as a trial lawyer, somehow got lucky. And as, he, as the hippie left the room, he gave me a glare like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I mean, he looked. I, I think he probably was rooting for you know all three of the oh, other yeah. alternates to uh, to to get on, Just so like that he, Clarice Thomas, yeah, so he could get a chance yeah. uh, to get involved. So uh, it's not uh, it's not often that you uh, escape after being the, doing the stupidest and possible. Next thing. week, I will tell my story. Uh, of the uh, the the greatest shenanigans uh, ever to occur in jury selection in one of my cases. All right, we'll look forward to that. And uh, oh, I'm sorry did did you ask me how the jury ended up voting? In that well, case? I didn't want to be you know I didn't I, 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 I did, wasn't sure if, if you said if something you under your breath. Colossally, then I wouldn't want to say. Well, what happened after the hippie? Okay, how did the case turn out? Well, he, there's a rule of the universe. Yeah. No lawyer 
has ever told a war story. Yeah. Unless it had a happy end. That's true. So yeah, so yeah, we won. Nice. But um, just remember that you know you're not going to get any bad news stories out of uh, out of any lawyer. I never heard one. All right, thanks for listening, folks. See you next week on Two News Lawyers. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred and seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.